Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. And we're on. This is the Let's Talk Cheer podcast, and I'm your host, Jason Larkin. Where we talk cheer, we talk life, and we talk whatever comes to mind. Five, six, seven, eight, let's get started. Turn it up and tune in into Let's Talk Cheer with Jason Larkin. We're talking cheer, we're talking like you know we're always talking. So listen up, you boy, I'm about to go all in. Five, six, seven, eight, we're on. Let's begin. This is episode number 33. Not sure if there's going to be a 34, but thank you for joining. We actually have a little bit different of an episode for you guys today. Due to some scheduling conflicts, our planned guest, Nathan Boss, will actually be on next week to talk about license length. But that kind of left me in a scramble of what to do about this week's episode. And then it hit me, Jeff Benson, author of the book, Unblock the Walls Come Tumbling Down. He and I did an interview last year on Facebook for our American cheer families all about mental blocks and the book he wrote to help cheerleaders, parents, and coaches understand and resolve mental blocks and the mental hurdles that occur in competitive cheerleading. This is a must-listen-to conversation, not to mention he has written a must-read book. But before we get into that, right now is your time to smash that like button If you know someone struggling with a mental block, send this over to them. They will definitely get something out of it. And if you're new, we'd love for you to to subscribe and check out everything we've got going on here at the Let's Talk Cheer podcast. But now that that is out of the way, here is my conversation with Jeff Benson. Thank you so much, Jeff, for for joining us. Um, Super excited that you're here. I, you know, through the years... I remember we had a, uh, an athlete with a mental block a few years ago. Uh, it, was, it, was, it, was, it was five years ago. It was our first year at the gym. And I remember her just struggling and struggling and struggling. I remember you had this book. And I was just like, you know what? And, and the, that athlete ended up leaving the sport. And I never read the book. And I remember thinking, like, I should have read the book and, you know, tried to prevent this from happening. Because, you know, it obviously overtook her. And, you know, you know, the family just didn't want to, you know, deal with it. And she ended up leaving the sport. And I remember just thinking, like, man, I wish I could have done more for this athlete. Because, she, you know, she loved cheer and she loved, you know, she, you know, she just, she was, you know, she was what we call like a life. She looked like a lifer to me. Minus mm-hmm. she couldn't get past this mental block. And she ended up leaving. And that's why I ended up ordering your book. And then we ordered, like, eight of them. And oh, wow. yeah, anytime you know, I saw it, right? <laughs> anytime I saw someone with a mental block, um, or like maybe even start to develop, I'd be like, hey, you know, you should read this book. It's really good. And I just, you know, I lo- I really did love it. Um, and I thought, and I remember, and I'm not even joking you. I remember thinking, I want to read this to our parents. I want to sit down and go- and read through. I was like, but they're not going to sit through me reading a book to them. Um, but I'm glad that we've got this opportunity to sit here and talk about it because I know that, um, totally. you know, that happens, 
you know, none of us are impervious to this, this mental block. So I'm glad that you're here with us. Um, we're very grateful for your time. So of course. is there anything you want to start with before I ask my first question? Yeah, I'm glad I'm here. <laughs> I'm so happy and so glad that you reached out. I remember you were I have weird recollection of things. I was in or I was on the East Coast and you had called or texted about an athlete mm -hmm. and you were like super passionate as a coach to wanting to support her. And I was like, I like this guy. This guy <laughs> is like top notch. And then I kept seeing you at jams and yeah. events like that. I'm like, all right. So when you reached out, I was like, oh, without a doubt, anything I can do to help. I love being able to support people who have similar value systems to myself. Yeah. Yeah. Glad to be here. Glad, glad that you're here. All right. So I'm kind of pulling these questions kind of straight from the book. So we'll just kind of walk through. But I guess the first okay. thing is, what exactly is a mental block? Yeah. All right. Great question. So I define a mental block as a skill or skills that an athlete was previously able to execute with near excellent technique. I'm talking gymnastics technique. I'm not talking cheer <laughs> technique. And unfortunately, what ends up happening is that athlete, despite having near perfect or near excellent technique, been able to perform it in front of hundreds of people, multiple venues. So at competition, multiple competitions mm -hmm. on your gym spring floor, another floor over there. And what happens is all of a sudden their nervous system. So I'm sure we're going to get to that. Their nervous system overrides what their body can do mm -hmm. and no longer can they execute that skill anymore. They're experiencing what we would call a freeze response. Yeah. Okay. So so a mental block, they've had to, so th do they really have to have performed it like at a competition for you to say, okay, now this is officially a mental block? Yes. All right. You're well, asking not a question. Oh, sorry. It's not a mental block because you've never performed this at a competition. Okay. So you're asking a good question. I apologize for making light and laughing because I realize when it comes to fear, there's so much that people don't understand. Mm -hmm. So re just really quick, why would anyone want to listen to anything I have to say? Yes, I wrote a book, yay. But more so than that, I have a master's degree in counseling psychology. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. I've studied the brain, the body, the connection, and I've been in cheerleading over 20 years. So essentially I'm like bringing those things together um, today to help you parents, athletes, other coaches, if you're on, to learn a little bit more about what's happening inside the brain. So why did I apologize? Because I realized that for me, a mental block is not a problem. I don't see a mental block as the emotional turmoil that a lot of people experience. Mm -hmm. Not that I want to discount anybody's um, experience with a mental block, because I realize they really wreak havoc you talked about this athlete five years ago she loved cheerleading it was like her sport she was a lifer and she quit because mm -hmm. she could not handle the disappointment i'm guessing mm -hmm. or what was necessary to overcome her fear yeah so let's get back to your original question yes i would say you or i would say no you cannot say you have a mental block if you've never performed this skill in front of people if you've not been under the pressure mm -hmm. of, or the expectation of ex, uh, executing that skill, 
with lots of skills before it, lots of skills after it, in front of lots of people. Yeah, I, it's not a mental block. You have fear, just like normal, rational fear. The thing that really separates a mental block from just like fear, and I'm sure we'll get into it, a mental block is unrealistic fear. Mm-hmm. Like you own this skill. Um, I was totally about to um, age myself. <laughs> I was like, I was about to be like, if Dominic Dawes couldn't do a vaccine rig, wow, Jeff, you are like way out of touch. Simone Biles. <laughs> it's surprising, right? I look so young, but yeah, let, let's get real. If Simone Biles was all of a sudden like, I can't do a standing tuck, that's what I'm talking about yeah. as a mental block. There we go. Um, random, so not a random question. I have some questions written down. I obviously know that some questions will um, pop up through the conversation. Um, They own the skill. So, but do you think we can use the same techniques in the book, even if it's rational fear? Like I've never competed it. So it's doesn't fall under that. Okay. Yeah. You're asking a phenomenal question because essentially what we're doing is when talking about mental blocks, we're talking about fear And fear does one of two things in the brain. So I'm going to get scientific. And if I need to, let me know. And I'll draw it out really quick. Um, So our little brain or our amygdala, this isn't in the book. This will be in my workbooks (laughs) that are coming out soon. But our little brain or our amygdala, plug, uh, our little brain scans the environment all day long for threats. So our amygdala, little brain, its job is to keep us safe. Everyone out there who's taken high school biology, we understand fight or flight. Yes. All right. Hopefully at home, I'm getting a lot of head (laughs) nods. Yeah. So the third response that our amygdala has is freeze. So what happens is that our amygdala is scanning the environment, our eyes, ears, taste, sound, those five senses, something comes in and we're like, Ooh, that's scary. So that goes into our thalamus. Don't need to really, really know that, but our senses are like, oh, that's dangerous. And it goes to one of two places. It either goes to our cortex, mm-hmm. the like, then to our amygdala, and then a chemical cocktail, or it goes fear, amygdala, chemical cocktail. Yep. So let's talk really quickly about those two mechanisms. Clearly, one is going to be faster than another. The one that's faster is the one that goes right to the amygdala. That would be if right now... Um, somebody were to open my door and make a lot of noise, there's going to be no thought involved. Mm -hmm. I'm going to probably jump. Yep. That is the chemical cocktail of flight. Yep. Getting away from my amygdala thinking danger is there. Another great example, we got Halloween coming up. You're watching a scary movie Mm -hmm. and you jump. There's no cortex. There's no thought involved. You jump because your amygdala is like, that was scary. All right. Now let's do the longer one, which is something scary happens. I think about that scary thing and then it goes to my amygdala and something responds. Mm-hmm. So for most, I'm seeing 90% of athletes who have fear with tumbling, it is a cortex amygdala fear. Let's talk about performance anxiety or just I'm about to go on the competition floor. Jason, I am sure you've had those athletes like come up to you pulling on your leg. What if we fall? (laughs) What if we get a deduction? Mm -hmm. All of that is processing in the cortex. I kind of jumped over this, but really quick to 
backslide. The cortex is the thinking part of the brain. Mm -hmm. I, like, so, oh my gosh, what if I fall is a thought that comes to my brain, which goes to my amygdala, which goes chemical cocktail. Yep. Those interventions are in the book, but so are interventions that go <clears throat> and the jump or the, all right, I mean, I love to demo. So I'm here. How many coaches have seen the? Yeah, 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 for sure. That athlete is experiencing chemical cocktail. Typically, it's through straight to the amygdala that's causing their body to freeze. So two things that you said, one, both interventions are in the workbook or are in the book. So you can learn the thought stopping techniques and the challenging your uh, bully voice or critical coach. Mm -hmm. Those are the things that help our cortex amygdala for those athletes who might think they have a mental block, but mm -hmm. they've never performed it in front of a group of people. You're experiencing pressure. Yeah. That's totally okay. But there are certain interventions that are going to help you. And again, we talk about those and we can probably talk about them more for anyone out there who's like, ah, give us those tools. Yeah. Or for those athletes who like straight on, I had the skill and now it's like my body won't let me go. Mm -hmm. Or I hear a lot, my body forgot how to do it. Yep. That is also, it doesn't matter. Interventions are very similar. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like a tree. All right. All the interventions are similar. And then they started, kind of, yep. Diverge a little bit. There we go. Okay, so let's. And you you mentioned this kind of in the beginning. Well, you we brought up that athlete who quit a couple years ago, and you said, and this is great for the next question. You said it was probably the athlete who couldn't handle it anymore, and she wanted to go. But actually, it was the parent who said she has a mental block. I don't want her to cheer anymore. Right. Um, cause I actually think the athlete would have kept cheering because she loved it that much. Like I, I'll just keep cheering, but the, you know, the parents I'm going to pull. So in the book you mentioned, we talk about the triad. So what, yeah. what's, what's the triad? All right. Good question. Triad. Think of a stool. So we all know prefixes, suffixes, right? A stool three. So coaches, parents, and athletes all having and sharing similar values or a similar strategy mm -hmm. on how to overcome it while staying in their lane. Mm -hmm. Meaning um, an athlete following the tools and techniques on regulating their emotions and being self-aware. So we'll talk about that later, I'm sure. So just normal things. How am I feeling right now? Body scan. Oh, I'm, feel I'm feeling good. I feel loose. Good. Mm -hmm. All right. That's your job to be aware of how you're feeling. Okay, a parent's job, your job is to, my guess, all you parents out there, put a little heart if you agree to this. You would be happy when your child leaves your home. You would feel like a success as a parent if your child is happy. I want to see these hearts popping up. <laughs> How many of you are like, yes, I want my child to be happy when they leave? Because I realize parenting is hard. Jason, you too, like, right? As I a do. Parent, you want I should like it. I'm not sure I like it. I'm going to like those. I guess I can't like my own video. I saw all right, there you go. <laughs> I want my child to be happy. I want my child to be a good person. And I want my child to be successful in life. I want them to feel like they have the tools necessary to succeed in society. Right? Yep. 
Jason, can you think you're, I know you're a new dad. I'm a dad as well. Is there anything else that you're like, oh, you didn't mention this that falls into one of those three categories? I want my child to be happy. I want them to stay safe. I want them to be, let's see. I guess I'm too new of a dad. I don't even know what I want with my child. So I want to be safe and healthy and, you know, well-rounded and, you know, know, just a kind, loving person. I'm not going to, like, brush my shoulders off, but I might (laughs) a little bit. I think all of those things are in one of those three categories. So many of you are probably seeing where I'm going with this. Your child having tumbling will not determine one of those three things. I know, hold, just wait, parents, hold. (laughs) I know where you're going, but she's not happy. Pause. When your child is 25 years old, is she going to go? I'm so glad I won Summit. Probably not. But when your child is 25 years old, is your child going to go, wow, I really... It was monumental to be an American cheerleader. Mm-hmm. I remember how hard we worked. I remember setting goals, being held to a high standard. I remember the love from my coaches, my team. I, oh my gosh, do you remember when we went to name the competition mm-hmm. and we did all this stuff? Happy. So I think we're kind of going with, okay, this parent, why maybe... Why maybe did they want to remove their child? As a parent, it is the hardest thing in the world to see our children struggle. Why? There's a thing called mirror neurons, which helps us feel empathy and feel how other people are feeling. It's also evolutionarily beneficial for parents to feel what their kids are feeling to help stop that thing from happening. If my child feels sick, I start feeling sick to save my child's life. Our ancestors, we are of their lineage because their parents or their our great 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 grandparents kept our children safe or our great 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 grandparents safe. That's that's how this works. So I don't judge parents for pulling their children when they experience a mental block. But I do often go to that lane I briefly mentioned of your child can still be happy and go through a mental block. And if they can't, that is why they have a mental block. Mm. (laughs) A mental block is not the problem. It is your emotional reaction to not tumbling that is the problem. So I talk a lot about emotional regulation. So going back to staying in your lane, parents, what I can assist you with, and even coaches or unblock the book can assist you with is how this mental block can help set your child up for success. I'm going to very quickly before I go, coaches get in your lane. Very quickly, I just heard from an athlete that I worked with seven years ago. Mm -hmm. Seven years ago, her mom was a coach. We did some virtual lessons and then... We worked for probably six months and she would get her tumbling back and lose it and get it and lose it. And at that point in time, she wanted to do a cheer, but she was also really athletic. She was a great soccer goalie. She was just starting and trying basketball and kind of doing all-stars still, but it was just, it wasn't going to work in the schedule. 
we had a great relationship. I was like, no worries. Like I still worked with uh, this athlete's mom mm -hmm. long after she yeah. became the high school cheerleading coach. This athlete I saw for four years when I would go and visit their high school, ironically, on the East Coast, the same high school I was visiting when I was hmm, talking yeah. to you. So weird. All right. Anyway, this, this mom actually just messaged me. This athlete never got her tumbling back. Messaged me. My daughter is writing her college essay on her mental block and what you taught her. There we go. Caught seven years yeah. before. Yeah, crazy. And never got her tumbling back. That is what a mental block can teach you. This is also the same athlete who got a college scholarship yeah. for basketball. Because she's applying those same techniques and tools to things that her maybe her nervous system isn't ready for. All right, really quickly, coach triad. Coaches getting in their lane is coaches understanding how you are either supporting a positive mm -hmm. um habit or a new habit in the athlete's brain where it's like it's okay if I make a mistake or you're supporting that negative habit burned in the athlete's brain mm -hmm. that says I'm a failure so coaches every time you're yelling at your kids for not tumbling and thinking it's them not trying hard mm -hmm. enough I'm going to ask you to take a step back is sometimes they're not trying hard enough yeah if you have a mental block and you sit on the side and you're like oh I have a mental block I'm sorry I can't oh you're not trying hard enough Get off your booty and find something that's challenging, but not overwhelming. But of most coaches, it's, we need that last talk. Yeah. Do it now. You had it at choreography. Do it. You are only supporting and burning that shortcut in the athlete's mm -hmm. brain of, I'm a failure. Look, now my coach is mad at me over something they have no control over. Yeah. Which is that a major response. So coaches, your lane is making sure that in the gym, you're helping to support that new habit. Again, parents, your lane is to support not mental toughness in the gym. Let's not make your love unconsciously based on what skills they're throwing. So let's not ask them how tumbling was. Hey, how did you challenge yourself today? Do you feel happy and proud of yourself? What's one thing, one rose, one thorn today? Mm-hmm. How did you deal with that thorn? That is how you support your athlete triad wise to overcome a mental block. An athlete, your job is to focus on the things you can control. You can control your effort, you can control your focus, and you can control your thoughts. So let's talk about this, because I know we have, we have the parents on, and, and I remember specifically one, I gave the book to one athlete or, you know, family. And the mom later said, yeah, she like highlighted a bunch of stuff that I needed to read specifically. And yeah, I kind of giggled, you know, mom's like, oh, I guess I'm not, I guess I, I have a role in my child's mental block that I didn't really know I had. So I kind of want to dive yeah. into some of those parent vulnerabilities. Um, you know, what are, what do parents not, or were parents vulnerable at how they are either setting their athlete up to have a mental block or keeping them in that state. Okay. Um, so I love this because you're totally testing me. I do not have my book by me. <laughs> so you're, you're making me go off script, but I'm going to do my best. Well, regardless, I'm going to talk about what is true. Hopefully it's, I wrote it in that book. Yeah. All right. So parent vulnerabilities, the number one, one, and I usually can hear this when I get a phone call, Hey, Jeff, my daughter has a mental block. Yeah. And all of a sudden I hear we, 
a lot of we's. Mm -hmm. So that vulnerability is when we as parents are having a really hard time separating ourselves from our child. That is a huge vulnerability to a mental block. So what does that mean? When a parent is posting videos of their child getting new skills, parents, ah, hold up, make sure you hear all of this, posting videos, and then maybe even adding, oh, my daughter learned this the first time. Look at mm -hmm. how amazing she is. She's so talented. I, I named like three vulnerabilities. Yep. One, when you praise your child for the attainment of something and you don't point out the process, mm -hmm. that's a problem. Yeah. Why is it a problem? It doesn't make you a bad parent. It just makes you totally normal and it makes you not purposeful with your compliment. I know most parents are like, I'm so proud of my daughter for this back tuck. She's worked so hard. But what you do is post a video and you're like, look, she got a back tuck. What it looks like to people who watch and to your child. And that's the most important. Mm -hmm. My mom is happy or my dad is happy because I got a back tuck. Yep. And we're ignoring the four months, two weeks, three years before it. Yeah. So if a parent is not talking and complimenting the process, that is a vulnerability to a mental block. Mm -hmm. When they give quick praise, like I said, as like a second thing, mm -hmm. how talented my child is. When you give your child that label and parents, I get it. There's, there's definitely some pride when it comes to like, Oh, my child learned something really fast. My child, Think of how many parents, oh, my child walked at eight months. <laughs> I know what you mean when you say that, mom. You mean good for me yeah. and my husband <laughs> and our genetics. We're genetically superior. <laughs> you, your genetics had something to do with it, and that's it. Something you had no control over. <laughs> Why are we proud of these things you have no control over? I, happy, successful in life, and be a good person successful in life how many of us out there and so coaches and i'm going to talk about some of your vulnerabilities that we throw out there too when we talk about how fast a kid learns a skill and we praise them for that mm -hmm. use them as the demo and like look how flexible she is and she's the girl who never stretches at home uh what we're doing is supporting that fixed mindset mm -hmm. and we are actually making that athlete more vulnerable or susceptible to a mental block so parents don't worry it, this all comes around, so I'm going to bring it around to Jason. Jason, this athlete who quit five years previously, was she a quick learner, uh, objectively pretty talented, learned skills fast, um, in the gym a lot, but used as a demo? I would say yes. And, and, and I know, let me think. I'm, try, I'm, I'm trying not to, what I'm trying not to do is say who the athlete was because you know obviously some of oh, our family oh, know who it is um yep. but yeah but she was a young athlete on one of the older higher level teams right so she was above her age group at the time right and nice. you right it's all that's all i'll say but yeah she fits yep. all of yep. that you know all of that yep so i want everyone so it's ch children parents coaches I know it may sound like I am judging. I want everyone just to open their hearts and realize we've all messed up. 
I've mentioned I've been in cheer for well over 20 years. Don't think that now that I'm on this side of the camera that my two decades of cheer experience were who I am today. Mm -hmm. I yelled, I screamed, I berated. I did so many horrible, horrible things that I regret. I can't change any of those things. I can't. As much as I'd like to go back in time, I cannot do that. So parents, you may be feeling guilty. Jason, other coaches, you may be feeling, feeling guilty about things that we've done in the past. I think it's Maya Angelou who says, oh, goodness, see how well I do. <laughs> oh, no, do. Oh. It's not our oh darkness that frightens us. It's our light. <laughs> that was some other quote. No, <laughs> that's a good one. Uh, something about know better until we know better, do better. What does anyone? Someone yeah, help yeah. me out. I'm Maya Angelou. No better. No better, do better. Oh, come on, come on, come on, come on. When you know better, do better. It's way better than that. <laughs> oh, do the best you can. Do the best you can until you know better. When you know better, do better. Yep, there we go. That is life philosophy especially within a growth mindset, which is a precursor to overcoming a mental block. So the opposite is that fixed mindset. Yep. We're talking about vulnerabilities. So not just a parent vulnerability or a coach vulnerability. Um, it's also an athlete vulnerability. So really quick, fixed mindset is the belief of wanting to be perfect, mm -hmm. talented, being a natural, wanting to, and worried about how other people view us. So we are so concerned with how much talent, intelligence, and ability we have. We're constantly trying to make sure that people are impressed by us. Mm -hmm. Cheerleading, as much as I love this sport, and I do think it contributed to me being a good person and successful in life in so many ways, it, or I let it wreak havoc on my mental state. Mm -hmm. Because who excels quickest in cheer? Those who are perfectionistic mm -hmm. those who don't stop and they just do it when they're hurt and injured and they just keep going those nitpicky ocd types are often the people who succeed succeed in cheerleading mm -hmm. the things that create a fixed mindset so i'm just going to throw this out here what we need to do in this sport is purposefully coach with a growth mindset I promise you I could get better, if not the same, better results than a fixed-minded coach. I promise you. Yeah. But fixed-minded is how most of us were coached. For sure. Perfection. And we say perfection all the time. That is a vulnerability to a mental block. So I know I kind of went roundabout. So if you need to rein me in no. a little bit well, on it's... vulnerabilities, please do. It's a, and you know, it's a, you know, the balance is hard. Cause I remember reading that and even if we go back to the vulnerabilities about, Hey, my child is so talented or, you know, look at this kid. And I remember I had to specifically change the language I use yes. when mm -hmm. an athlete got a new skill and I still do it to this day. And I remember I, I said it earlier this week and thought, Oh, I'm going to talk to Jeff later on this week. And the kid did like you, her back answering her back top for the first time or something like that. And I said, you know, great job for being such a hard worker. You know, that's what happens when hard, you know, hard work pays off kiddo. And it's such a, it's such a hard 
interesting to go back or change. to use that language to try specifically not just to say great job on getting your tough or great job on getting your yeah. back handspring to say way to work hard and do that and and it is and it's weird because you said because cheerleading is such a we're really just talking to coaches now but it is such a perfection sport that I struggle with the balance of the fixed mindset because we're talking about hitting perfect routines and and the growth mindset because it's about, Hey guys, we want to make sure we, we want to try to live up to our potential. We want to be the best that we can be personally and not worry about, you know, the scores and and, and, all those things. So it's a weird, definitely a weird balance in cheer. And you say, you say it in the book, you know, in basketball, there's an expected amount of turnovers that should happen. So to make a turnover, it is what it is. You can still go win the game. But in cheerleading, mm-hmm. we are really trying to do perfect yeah. routines. Um, we, you know, and that's all. It's a really hard thing to balance. And I can only imagine how much harder it would be for me to balance if I hadn't read your book. Trying to be the best coach I could be, still right. demanding, you know, perfection, more or less. Excellence. Excellence from yep. your athletes. Mm-hmm. For sure. Um but yeah, so we say, so when parents say, when parents post their back tuck or their layout or whatever they get and say, great job, Susie, for getting your tuck or look at my child for getting her tuck, um, that contributes to the fixed mindset. So I know we kind of talked about it, but I want to talk about, you know, the fixed mindset yeah. and the growth mindset. Well, we're yeah. going to turn on light okay. before we lose me. Yeah, no worries. <laughs> All right. So really quick. Um, mindset is a concept developed by Dr. Carol Dweck. So all of us Californians, she's a Stanford psychologist, 30 years of research in trying to find out why some people are able to succeed. And while some people, despite being super skilled, talented, fall short of their potential, like Jason was saying, and literally three decades Um, so Dr. Carol Dweck wrote a book called Mindset, a lot of great research studies. It's a wonderful, actually very quick read. Essentially, she defines mindset as the way in which we think about our talents, how good we are, our ability, how quickly we can do something and our intelligence, how smart we are. And she found that there are two ways that people have a tendency to think. They have a tendency to think with a fixed mindset, which means Unconsciously, everybody, unconscious. My abilities, talent, and intelligence are limited or fixed, meaning from birth or just in general, I have only a limited amount of potential. An example of a minded response or something somebody might say if they're being fixed minded. I'm just not good at. Mm-hmm. Everybody put a thumbs up if you've ever said, I'm just not good at math, spelling, um, driving, I'm just not flexible, I'm just not good at, that is fixed-minded. Why? Because you are saying you have a certain amount that you can do. Mm-hmm. It almost becomes an excuse of like, why I can't, why am I not stretching? Well, I'm just not flexible. I'm not flexible, yeah. Oh, so think about it. Why am I not, tum- I just have a mental block. No, no. There's still lots of things you can do. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can't reach your full potential yet, but there's still lots that you can do. So I see fixed-minded as perfectionistic. 
um, when you compare yourself to other people, when you feel threatened by others, all of these are very fixed minded in nature. Feel free to like rein me in on like, hey, yeah, what yeah. would be fixed minded <laughs> parenting or athletes? Because I have lots of examples. I just don't want to. Well, let's go talk there. Let's it. go. Let's go. Yeah. What's a what's a how do parents can contribute to the fixed minded to a fixed minded app or child? Yep. So when I'll give a great example of something that I experienced with an athlete. I'm going to be giving you the example of growth minded, but think of how many parents would just respond, which unconsciously would be a fixed minded mm -hmm. support of an athlete. So I was talking to this uh, athlete, let's call her Jenna. I was like, Jenna, tell me your rose of the week. She's like, I got a hundred percent on my math test. Think of how many times we've heard something like that. Mm -hmm. I've got a good grade on my very first question and not reaction. First question was tell me, how long did you study for that math test? And with pride and a great big smile, I didn't. Mm -hmm. I immediately, lovingly, but immediately, oh, Jenna, I'm really sorry to hear your teacher didn't challenge you. That makes me really sad that you're not growing your brain <laughs> and they're not giving you stuff to challenge you. Mm -hmm. And she looked at me like I was an alien. Yeah. Like I was offending her. Like, <gasps> What I work, I do it. I'm like, I didn't say you didn't do anything. I just said you didn't have to work hard to get an A. I would rather have you, Jenna, work hard and get a B. Why? Mm -hmm. Because if you knew how to work hard, if you knew what it was like to study for four days and still get a B, this mental block would not be a problem. Mm -hmm. That is often what happens with a lot of athletes is that they are gifted genetically gifted, talented, they've learned skills quickly. They haven't had to work super hard, not that they don't work hard, but they don't have to work as hard to go as far. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden something happens. They don't have any template on what hard work and determination and grit is. And they see it as I've hit my peak. And that's why we have that emotional turmoil. So that would be kind of the fixed minded, like, oh no, I'm not, I can't get over it. Growth mindset is seeing failure as opportunity. Growth mindset is hard work, determination, perseverance, asking people for help, worrying and focusing on your personal improvement versus what is my worth based on other people. Let's do a cheerleading one that happens often around May. Oh, I better not make level two again. I have to make level three. Why? Are you saying level three athletes are better than mm -hmm. level two athletes? Well, they have more skill. Okay, they have more skill, but what's wrong with being on level two? Well, I want to be, if I'm on level two, at least I want to be on seniors. Why? Why is seniors level two better than junior level two? Well, because they're older. All of these are fixed-minded things. Why? They're labels. Growth mindset would literally be, what's the opportunity? Oh, I didn't make a level three. Got it. Why did I not make level three? That was my goal. Pause for a second. You still get to be sad and upset and disappointed mm -hmm. and whatever your emotions are, I'm not saying you can't feel them. Feel them, ladies and gentlemen, feel them. But a growth mindset is gonna experience setback and eventually go, all right, that's on me. I didn't make level three because I don't have all of my level three skills yet. Mm -hmm. Great.
mindset work yet. So what am I going to do? All right. I did do privates that month leading up to tryouts, but I didn't do any privates at all during the year. I tried in one month to go from level two to level three. Yeah, I got to own that. Yeah. So I'm going to do this season different. I am going to kind of like a slow simmer, improve my skills little by little, not try and um, procrastinate or do a hardcore press at the end. Hopefully that's helpful-ish. Yeah, no, perfect. So how does this, and I'm not sure if I, if this is clear to the families, how, okay. how does the growth mindset and the fixed mindset, how do those contribute to the mental block? Like what do those have to do with the mental block? Okay, so if you have, I'm gonna take a little pause, just overall Jeff yep. philosophy theory. Um, so I'm reading a book about being anti-racist. I know I, I'm not trying to open a big can of words, <laughs> but it's a fantastic book. And one of the things that the author spoke about that was let's stop talking about you are racist or you are not racist. Mm -hmm. And let's instead look at things like that act was racist. That doesn't mean you as a person have this huge label of like, you're awful. Mm -hmm. That was racist though. Yeah. I literally did that to my husband today. Yeah. <laughs> he said something and I go, you added that person's that he wasn't speaking English mm -hmm. and that was not an important part of the story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was racist. For sure. I still love my husband. I still think he's a good person. I know he does a lot of anti-racist things mm -hmm. all throughout the day. But in that moment, he messed up. Yeah. And I'm gonna let him know. Why did Jeff open that can of worms? I hope nobody I'm, feels too uncomfortable. I'm sure you're gonna bring but, it back around. Here we go. Rather than thinking I am growth mindset or fixed mindset, let's think that was fixed-minded. Mm -hmm. That yep. thing right there, when I say perfect, that was fixed-minded. That doesn't mean you're an awful, terrible person. It doesn't mean that you have the scarlet letter of fixed or words, fixed mm -hmm. mindset on your head. But for real, that was, that was fixed-minded. Yeah. When you are comparing your child to other children, I, I get it. It's normal. It's natural. It's still fixed-minded. And fixed mindset is a one-way ticket to disappointment, frustration, and overall, eventually, for most kids, a mental block. Mm -hmm. When you see your worth in the skills you're doing, you are full core press. You're, you're heading towards mental block land. Yep. And again, I don't see mental block land as like the grim reaper. I see it as life telling you, hey, knock, knock, knock. The way you're thinking about things isn't working for you because the reality is fixed mindedness does work for a while. Jason, come on. How many coaches do we know in this industry that we would say many of their actions, if not most of them are super fixed minded and are also successful. Some of them are winning worlds. Yep. Right. For sure. But for sure. mindset is a, eventually it's not going to work for you. Mm -hmm. If I, I mean, I know some of them, like yeah. when I ask them how they're feeling, they're stressed all the time because literally they feel like they have a guillotine to their neck. Mm -hmm. If their kids in practice fall, they unleash. But a yeah. lot of us look at just like the iceberg out of the water and they're like, but they win worlds. Yeah. And they are also tearing apart a lot of athletes' mm -hmm. self-worth self-confidence yep. 
they're also literally going like toxic. Not that they're bad people, but like the acid they're getting from like everything is super anxiety and you mm -hmm. have to hit now or I'm a bad coach. Yeah. That is, that is a fixed mindset. And I know from being that person, I remember like, and we can talk about that, but maybe no one cares. Like I was so rigid. It made me really good until it stopped making me good. And I yep. realized I had all of these great things. Like I could list my achievements and I felt nothing for them. Mm -hmm. Nothing. I wasn't, it was like, yeah, I'm proud. Okay. What's the next thing? Yep. That's fixed minded growth mindset, especially when it comes to a mental block is it's not that you won't get a mental block if you're using a growth mindset. But the reality is, if you have a mental block, I promise you, it was due to fixed mindedness. Yep. You didn't throw your tumbling. You worried about losing your skills. You judged yourself based on how Susie over there is learning them fast and how you used to be better than her. And you don't understand why this is happening. Why me? Why is this taking so long? Every single one of those actions was a reinforcement of fixed mindset. Yep. Which is why our brain then memorizes that pattern or habit. And then how do we get over a mental block? Your growth mindset. Oh, all right. A mental block is just an opportunity to show my hard work. The fact that I didn't throw that back tuck just now is not the end of the world. This is cortex talking, everybody. Mm -hmm. If you remember from the earlier, like, uh, I don't throw my tumbling. Let's bring it through our cortex. It's okay. It's not the end of the world. Let's think of strategies. Hey, coach Jason, can you give me a one hand spot? All right. Ben jump. Oh, no amygdala. Great. Let's try that again. I can do this. Let's focus on bending and jumping. Growth mindset. Fixed mindset. Mm -hmm. I better throw it. Think of who's going to have more pressure. I'm going to try and bend and jump. Mm -hmm. Or I wonder if I'm going to throw it. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's very clear who's going to have a better ratio. And it's also clear who's going to throw it or not. Yep. So let's see. I really enjoyed this part of the book talking about just, you know, what an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of medicine or whatever, however the saying goes, right? Because I really enjoyed that, like, oh, we can, like, not set our kids up to have this fixed mindset. We set them up to have growth mindset. Um, so I want to talk about that for a little bit. But I know there are uh, families on here with athletes who are like, well, my kid has a mental block right now. What can I do right now? So, <laughs> please, he's talking about how to prevent it. She's already got it. Yeah. Um, so what I really liked about the book, um, and this is just, just for me as a coach, but I loved how it talked about, you know, this athlete has a mental block. And usually, I can't remember exactly how you word it, but basically it was, you know, they can't throw it on the floor. So they, you know, they can't do anything, but they can actually go to the tumble track and do a two-hand spot on the tumble track and then go to a one-hand spot on the tumble track and then go to coach just standing there on the tumble track and work that progression from tumble track to cheese mat to rod floor with a yep. mat to spring floor with sure. a spot and all those yep. things. So I, I absolutely loved thinking about that system. But I want to talk about the um, – I don't want to forget Rose and Thorn, but the um, – you know, how are you feeling today? Like how anxious are you feeling oh, yeah. Um. You know, you're feeling a five and talk about that, you know, where they should be on that scale. Yes. Where do we want them on that scale to tumble, like to challenge themselves? 
All right, great question. So just sidebar, I am releasing Unblocked Edition 2 so that anyone who has read it, I'm going to start referencing like my new, it's a Likert scale. It's a new scale. So if all of a sudden I'm like out of five and you're like, no, it was 10. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, let's be growth minded. Jeff realized <laughs> zero to five was a more accurate scale. Mm -hmm. So he realized he whittled it down. So from here on out, uh, the Likert scale, literally you go to the doctor, oh, my belly hurts. The doctor, she is going to ask you from one to 10, how mm -hmm. bad does it hurt? Same idea, but I do a zero to five because I don't, I would like athletes to realize that you can have zero fear. Mm -hmm. I feel like there's a underlying unconsciousness to a one means like, I will always have mm -hmm. some fear, like, let's, so zero to five, that's my Likert scale. A zero means I have no fear at all. I'm happy. I'm confident. I could do this all day. I'm laughing. I'm loose. I'm doing it, whatever. You know what? Zero. I just learned something. Cause you know what? I think I always say one to five. I think I always I say one to five. Learning. Yeah. And I should be, zero should be an option. A hundred percent. Don't should yourself. I'm going to ask you to not should oh, sorry. yourself. I, I don't know what word to use. I want, <laughs> I want, I want to be a perfect coach. <laughs> nah, Jason, no. You learned nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I want to be better. Yes. So zero to five is definitely an opportunity. If you were one to five, it's an opportunity to offer and have that conversation. This is growth minded, by the way. It's a teachable moment of, hey, I realized as a coach, I was giving you like a one to five. Mm -hmm. I do want you to realize that you probably have skills where you have no fear at all, right? So I learned something. Let's let's give those skills a zero. And then those ones are, I'm still good. You're going to see a smile on the athlete's face. Um, they're probably still going to talk to their friends, but you're going to see just before they go, just before they go, like a, mm -hmm. and then they go. It's just a little focus. Or it might oh, be, and real I quick, spot really fast? I want to yeah. I wanna interrupt because I, I can't remember if you wrote Please. this in the book. Think you might have, but you might. It might just been a different book that I'm just mixing up. But yeah. it's important for us to admit our failures to the kid. Like it's important for me to say, Always. "Hey, I've I've been giving you a one to five, and I should have been giving you a zero to five. That's my bad as a coach. I would have preferred to give you a zero. I would to five. have preferred don't to shoot give yourself. you. I sh don't should myself. <laughs> I'm learning something. Was that in the book? Did you put that in the book? I didn't. Th I don't think I did. Oh, you, you should. That's something I have learned in life. It's a good one. <laughs> so total sidebar, words are really, really powerful and important. For sure. And so you'll notice even when I speak, it's not that I'm trying to be perfect, but I want to say what I mean. I want to be mm -hmm. impeccable with my word. So there are times where I want to say perfect and I cortex it mm -hmm. and I stop myself and I rephrase it. Excellent. Yep. Because it's what I truly mean. Excellence is the idea of continually improving, reaching my potential, getting better and better, where perfection is a finish line. Mm -hmm. It's this belief that you're going to actually get it. Excellence is like a constant state. Wouldn't you rather have like a constant state? Like, oh, I get to be proud now. Mm -hmm. Oh, that was excellent. Great. Let's do a new challenge. Let's do something even harder versus that was perfect. There's nothing wrong super growth mindset versus, mm -hmm. versus fixed mindset. So words are important. That is why if anyone's like, why is he like 
keep talking about shoulds and perfect. Yep. Words are important. Words have value. And our brains memorize them, whether we want to or not. It's unconscious. All right. Um, Real quick. So what, remind at? me one more time. What do I say instead of should? Oh, say what's true. What is true? Um, I wanted to. Should I say wanted to? I wanted you to. Can. I could have. I was giving you a scale of one to five, and I realized I could have been giving you a zero to five because a zero implies, you know, that there's no, or that, you know, right. Mm -hmm. Okay. So one of the things that you said, which I tried to give an example of, but you did an awesome job of being poignant and very purposeful with it, which was like, yes, we want to admit our faults. When I talk to you about like, Hey, what you, what you might want to say with an athlete from zero to five, one mm -hmm. to five, that wasn't, like a joke. I literally say that stuff to kids all the time. Mm -hmm. I say it to my own daughter. I say it to my husband. Like, I messed up. So here's an example from Jason confronting an athlete. Look, um, I realized that I've been using a scale of one to five. I was excited. This is a growth mindset, reframe of fixed mindset, rather than I was disappointed. Mm -hmm. I was excited to learn and realize, oh yeah, there are things we have no fear. So let's change our scale from one to five to zero to five. There we go. Parents, I hope you guys so are taking copious notes. This is great stuff. This stuff like blows me away. I, <laughs> I have no idea if anyone else is like, oh, this is very, I'm like blown away. So, okay, I don't Good. know what we're talking about. Um, uh, fear and the Likert scale, we were yep, at one. Yep, okay, yep, there we go. Okay, so um, just really quick, one is I'm still good, but Oftentimes at a one, Jason, you know this. Can I mark it really fast? Can I just do a round off really quick? That's almost a telltale sign that's a one. Mm -hmm. Again, there's nothing wrong with any of these numbers. Like just, okay, it's a one. And we want our athletes, kids, to be self-aware of these emotions and fear level. Because fear is not a light switch. It's not on or off. Fear is kind of like a pot of boiling water or a pot of water, as we put it on the stove, mm -hmm. it slowly gets hotter and hotter and hotter, and then it's, uh, we see steam, and then we see bubbles, the simmer, and then it boils. That's fear. Yep. Because when we believe fear is a light switch on, on off, we believe we either have fear or we don't, and that's mm -hmm. not how our amygdala works. Well, sometimes it's how it works, but we'll talk about that later. All right, <laughs> a two. A two is almost always this. <sighs> So I'm checking, rechecking, mm -hmm. I'm trying to see if I'm safe. Um, a two, you're gonna see like a blank expression. Very rarely is there a smile. Um, I, for the first time ever, I have an athlete who, when she is at a two, her telltale sign is she laughs. Mm. Very interesting. But yeah. usually it's like yeah. stone focus yeah. because a two is a great big challenge for the cortex to keep the amygdala at bay or to keep our lid on. Um, a three is the two kind of magnified. The way I describe a three is when we have these two voices in our head. Think of like an angel and a devil from the yep. cartoons when we were kids. So the angel on our voice is like, you can do it, go, think of strategies. And the little devil on our shoulder is like, you're gonna fall, you can't do this. What if you don't go, you're a failure. So these two little voices are like 50-50. 
that's a big sign of a three. Yep. Also, a little note, based on my, not scientific, but just experience, a zero, an athlete's going to throw the skill every time. Mm-hmm. A one, they'll throw it about 90% of the time. Hear what I said. Even at a one, every once in a while, an athlete's not going to go. Mm-hmm. Almost always based on focus. A two is 75% of the time, the athlete is going to go. That means 25, one out of every four times, mm-hmm. they're going to have that jerk freeze response. A three, 50-50, like can go, yep. can't go. It's like a wrestling match in their brain. A four is when it's like way, sorry, way more devil voice, mm-hmm. way more arguing. You're going to see, I can't do it. Come on, go. This is a big one that I've heard recently. Count really loud, like you're mad at me. Hmm. Count for me. Like they want to pressure. Yep. This isn't all athletes. It's, that's really based on your genetics. Mm-hmm. Um, nope, sorry. That's not what I mean. I want to be impeccable with my word. Not genetics. It is your, oh, give me a second. Temperament. Okay, there we go. Based on your temperament, some athletes are like, I want no pressure. And some athletes are like, make me feel like Mm -hmm. a pressure cooker or I'm not going. We can talk about why, but both of those don't work. And then a five is full on. I flip my lid. I'm freaking out. I'm crying, screaming, running away. Parents, you're the ones who get kids at a five in your car. And that's why you're telling your child, like, we're going to need to quit the sport because this five, Mm -hmm. every time you come out of practice is not healthy. You're right. It's not. No kid should be experiencing a five when they come out of tumbling or cheer. They will sometimes... That's just a part of being successful in life, being really frustrated when you don't get what you want. That's a teachable moment. So just really sidebar parents, like a five or a flipping your lid when you're like, kid is upset because they didn't do what they wanted is normal. But doing it a lot is really unhealthy for their brain. Mm -hmm. And your kid unconsciously is telling you, I need coping Mm -hmm. skills. And that's a lot of what I talk about in Unblocked. Uh, what we say? We said there's the. the Do you want me to give you my no. three rules? Give me the three rules. I have three rules that go along with that Likert scale. Um, rule one: never go above a three. Mm-hmm. You're never allowed in tumbling to go above a three. So if the athlete is like, I go. We were talking about the ex- progressive exposure mm-hmm. is the scientific word of going from the tumble track to the rod floor to the down the cheese, progressive exposure. Mm-hmm. If I'm like, let's go from a two-hand spot to a one-hand spot, and they're like, two-hand spot, okay. <sighs> Hopefully everyone's going two. Yep. Mm-hmm. Sit, go, sit, go. Sit, uh. So what are you going to do? And you see them take a deep breath. And mm-hmm. before they even go, I'm so proud of you for using a strategy. Yep. And then they sit and go. I'm so proud of you for not giving up when you didn't go. You didn't let that railroad your brain. You kept your lid on. I'm proud of you. Now, would you like to do a one-hand spot? And you see the kid go. <sighs> They're not at a three. Mm-hmm. They're way above it. So I would first go zero to five. How much fear do you have? Because I want to see their self-awareness. Mm-hmm. Three. Ooh, okay. Um, your body 
may or your brain may say three, but I think you want it to be a three. Does it kind of feel like a four, like uh, like you're in hot water, like a really hot hot tub, and you want to jump out? Yeah. All right, let's try something a little bit easier. So yeah. That's rule one. So that's what I was about to ask you. We should, as coaches, we should what? We as a as a coach, I would like what I feel. I that word should I I gotta get rid of it. <laughs> it's the only word that's popping into my brain. It's okay. But I'm thinking. So when I'm what it sounds like you're saying that when I'm looking at an athlete, dude, that word should. I don't know what other word to use. <laughs> say what you want to say, and I'll rephrase it for you. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. That when I see the athlete. And I go, hey, on scale of one to five, how do you feel right now? And they say, I feel a two, and they're huffing and puffing. It would, it would be, I should just go, no, we kind of look like we're at a four. I shouldn't just take okay. their word for it. I know okay. that I should. I hear you asking, what would be the best route to take? <laughs> Sounds good to me. Should. Is that what's going to kill me? It is what I mean. Okay. So what I often do, I sometimes do one or two things, but the 90% of the time, I will respond with an athlete when they say it too, and I'm still developing a rapport with them. Tell me what makes you say that is a two. Mm -hmm. Because they're wrong, probably. But what I'm doing is giving it as an opportunity. I hope every time someone hears opportunity, they're like, growth mindset, ding, ding, ding. Mm -hmm. Yes, you're right. This is an opportunity for them to like scan their body. Why do I think this is a two? Um, I don't know. Okay, so then why did you say two? I don't know. And if they start like, I don't know, I don't know, sidebar. One big thing that happens inside of our brain when those chemicals go start getting released is that we stop being able to think of things we normally would. Mm -hmm. How many kids out there have been in class and your coach is like, what, what count is that on? And you're like, oh, no. It's because you're like trying not to flip your lid. You're literally, your body is just trying to stay alive. Mm -hmm. I know it sounds ridiculous, but that's what your body sees that question as, life or death. So when I'm asking you a question and you can't answer it, sometimes you just don't know. So mm -hmm. I don't know doesn't mean always, but I don't know often means I'm now stressed out. Mm -hmm. So I heard you say, I don't know a lot. What is I don't know a sign of? Stress. So if you say I don't know a lot, let's be objective. What do you think? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. What does that sound like? Zero to five. Ooh, that sounds like a four or five. So I'm thinking you may be at a four. I could be wrong. The growth mindset. I could be wrong. You are mm -hmm. the expert on your own body. But let's go with that's a four. What do you think we could do to get your fear level lower? And if for some reason I was wrong and what I give you is too easy, we just go right to that one yep. spot. What, 30 seconds? Which is way better than... Um, jumping up to a four and being wrong mm -hmm. why because when that chemical gets yep. released in your body athletes you have for some athletes it's like 30 seconds to take to get that chemical out some athletes it takes over 30 to 40 minutes mm -hmm. uh that's your private lesson yeah you really want that button to get pressed in the back of your brain your amygdala to like flush that chemical yeah you're not getting out for 30 minutes no 
It's table over three, rule one. Rule two, I promise they won't be this long. Uh, you have three misses. You have, mm -hmm. you're allowed three misses in a row. Even if your fear level's a one, mm -hmm. if you miss one, two, three times in a row, I ask athletes, not I, sh you should, I ask athletes to go down a progression. Yep. Let me give you an example. We are on the floor doing standing tucks and the athlete freezes on the first, freezes on the second. Hey, wait. All right. Aaliyah, zero to five. How much fear do you have? Two. You sure? Yep. Okay. Go ahead. Try your final one. Aaliyah, what do we do next? Not what should, what, what do we do mm -hmm. next? I want to, not I should, I want to get a, I want to get assistance so my fear level drops. Okay, what would that look like? How about a one-hand spot? Okay, let's try it. Yep. Zero to five, how much fear? Oh, zero. Okay, so zero means it's too easy for you. What could we do next? How about a one-finger spot? This is progressive exposure I mm -hmm. talked about. Yep. For everyone who's really studious and has been with us since the beginning. All right, fear, or sorry, uh, sensation comes in, cortex, amygdala. Progressive exposure is straight amygdala, which is the harder thing to stop. So mm -hmm. we use progressive exposure to keep the amygdala at bay. Just side note. Okay, so let's try a one finger spot. And all of a sudden she doesn't go, you see her take a deep breath. Oh, stop, Aaliyah. High five, girl. And I'll probably shake her a little bit. Why? Because mm -hmm. it helps get that chemical starting to get released. Mm -hmm. Think of a dog after they like, freeze. They shake it off. Same thing. Shake it. All right, Aaliyah, you got it. Let's do a dance. I love that you took a deep breath. You thought of a strategy. Growth-minded right there. Remember, mm -hmm. we want to point out the actions of growth mindset, not you are, and the actions that are fixed-minded, not they are mm -hmm. fixed-minded. Yep. All right, so I'm like, yeah, good job. All right, so we try and do it a second time. She freezes again. Aaliyah, zero to five, how much fear do you have? Well, I had like a one, but now it's a two. Oh, I love your self-awareness. You realize that your fear level is increasing. Is it increasing because you feel more fear or you're more frustrated? I'm mad at myself. I would probably even at that point go, Aaliyah, how about... You tell me what you feel when we do a one-hand spot. Why don't you do a one-hand spot really fast? Then jump. Mm -hmm. Let's do four fingers. Then jump. Let's do three fingers. Then jump. Two fingers. I think we found our sweet spot. Yeah. And then we go to two fingers. So three misses in a row. Go down a progression. Yep. Last rule. Ten seconds. You get ten seconds to throw the skill. I do not put you on a stopwatch. But when I'm like feeling awkward, when my near my mirror neurons go fire, 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 mm -hmm. anxious, anxious, anxious. All right, walk away, Leah. Walk away. Yep. Shake it out. And so the rule is you have to jump up and down. You have to shake it out. Do a handstand. Go get a drink of water when you do not go for 10 seconds. Hopefully everyone right now knows why. The answer, because those chemicals are getting yep. released and we want them to flush out of the body. So that when Aaliyah comes back, she's more likely to have her lid back on. Yep. It also counts as one miss. Gotcha. Total sidebar. This is also a miss. That was one try. All right. So. Okay. All right. So 
let's talk about real quick what parents can do. I know we talked about the, or not parents, uh, families in general. Uh, the at home should do. I said should, I know. Um, Sorry. The out, outside the gym strategies. I know we talked about, it, it was really cool that you talked about lifting weights with your brain. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. if they challenge themselves at home, they can use those <laughs> same strategies in the gym to help them get over the mental block. Mm -hmm. So remember, my personal philosophy is that I, as a parent, want my child to be happy, successful in life, and be a good person. To do that, think, ask anyone who is successful. Tell me, when to be successful, would you say you're just gifted, you're just natural? They may say like, yeah, but how did I get there? Uh, a lot of failing. Anyone, seriously, think of anybody who is successful. They have failed so much in their life. So it's not about not failing. It's about being able to fail, learn from it, and move on. Ding, ding, ding. Please, everybody, growth mindset. You see it? How it's all over. Okay. So what can parents do? And also to reference the lifting weights that, Jason, I appreciate you bringing up. What can you do? I like to think of things in three categories. Easy challenging, overwhelming. Let's put it into quick context of that zero to five scale. Zero to one, easy. Two to three, challenging. Four to five, overwhelming. We avoid overwhelming because it creates a negative habit in our brain. We feel overwhelmed. It just makes it more likely for it to happen again. A zero to one, why do we not just do easy skills? Easy skills are a great warm up. If Jason, you were leading your level three team through their stunt sequence. We would not walk into the gym and go, all right, throw your full out stunt sequence. We would warm it up. Mm -hmm. We warm up section by section. You might even do preps first, yep. straight up extensions. It's the same thing with zero to one, those easy skills. We want to do those easy skills, but we then want to progress to those challenging skills so that we can learn self-confidence. Yep. So a lot of people think self-confidence comes from just being good at stuff. If your double full is easy for you, you're not getting better. And I don't care how confident you say you are. If you're only doing easy skills, you're not developing self-confidence. And the moment you don't do that, don't throw that double full, you're going to be mad. Mm -hmm. You're going to be upset with yourself. We want our kids to be resilient. We want our kids to realize you can't always be happy in life. COVID, hello. <laughs> Who is thriving in COVID? Growth-minded. Growth-mindedness. Mm -hmm. I was about to say growth-minded people. So Jason, don't think. <laughs> like, oh, I'm the only one who struggles with this. I teach this and I like catch myself. Yeah. How do I catch myself? How was I able to not say it? I just practice it a lot. So growth-minded the more growth-minded we are, more growth-minded choices we make, the easier it is when COVID happens to stay positive and productive. I think I do a lot of growth-minded things, but I still hate this. I'm so frustrated. Mm -hmm. I still feel my husband said it best. I feel like a fish in a bowl and I'm just like swirling in the same yep. bowl and I'm like trying not to lose my mind, but I use strategies. I'm gonna start knitting again. Yes, that's a hobby I have. I'm cooking. I've never cooked before, but I'm cooking now. I love to bake, so I bake. I'm trying to release workbooks. I did a second edition to my first book. I'm doing whatever I can that I'm passionate and I love 
to try and focus on things that bring me joy during this really horrible time. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, so what can we do at home as parents? It's about trying to help our kids point out things that are easy and find ways to challenge them. And I'm not talking about cheer, remember? Stay in your lane. Talk about life stuff. If your kid is struggling with a math homework assignment, ask them questions that would be growth minded. Hey, I love that you're still working on this and you haven't given up. Is there anything I can do to help you? No, leave me alone. That's a sign that your kid is like feeling defensive. That would be a fixed minded mm -hmm. reaction. So, all right. If that happens again, I'm, this is just how I parent. If that happens again, <laughs> you're going to walk away from the table because that was inappropriate. Mm -hmm. My daughter, she's learned like, I'm sorry. Like, <laughs> you flip your lid. Yeah. No, 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 no. Just as if I do, I want to as quick as I can realize it and make amends for it. I'm sorry and then try and be better. Okay. So let's do this for anyone who hasn't read. Like a five pound weight would be like easy. Uh, 15, 20 pound weight would be challenging, but like a hundred pound weight would be overwhelming. Read your kids what your middle child thinks is overwhelming. Your oldest may find just like easy. This is why we parent based on our kid and where they're at. So if math is something your child currently struggles with, because it's okay to not learn math super quick, mm -hmm. fixed-minded would say, I'm just not good at math. But if you happen to struggle with math, that's okay. Let's use tools. So if your child is like getting past a three, all right, use that language. Like, oh, it feels like you're kind of at a three. We don't want to go over a three. What can we do right now? Remember, sometimes when we get too much anxiety, we can't answer those questions. Mm -hmm. That's a sign that we're past a three. All right. Let's go take a nap. Let's go lie down. Let's go get a drink of water. Let's um, move on to something else. Teach your kids how to cope and stay in that challenging zone. When your kid does their homework and it's like no problem at all and they're running outside, hey, all right, I know it feels good to get done with that in five minutes, but you know what? I want to challenge you a little bit. I'm not kidding. I'm bringing my kid back. Yeah. And I'm going to make something harder. Yeah. I'm going to create. I do it all the time for my daughter. Some of you are probably like, that poor girl. I create challenges for her because I know I'm trying as a parent to do everything I can to create like a happy, healthy, mm -hmm. successful life for her. So she gets a lot of stuff. Yeah. Not just material stuff, but she like has me and my husband and her mom supporting her and she gets to do all these great things. So I have to create challenges in her life because she has a lot of privilege yep so i'm creating things that she needs to start overcoming and learning those skills and tools to help her cope and this is what it sounded like yeah in the in the book that they they get used to they're lifting the, the 20 pound weight and as they're learning how to deal with these 20 pound weights at home they're able to apply those lessons to their mental block at the gym right yeah. Um, now, what do you, I don't think you said this at all in the book, but I'm going to. What is your perspective on athletes tumbling at home to try to get mm -hmm. over the mental block? Got it. 
Uh, if the athlete is able to, they understand the three rules. Mm -hmm. If they are able to keep their lid on, I am actually okay with that. I know that's surprising, especially mm -hmm. as a former cheer coach, like, don't tell me at home, <laughs> all those bad habits. Ah! <laughs> and it's really hard for mom and dad to stay in their lane and not start coaching. Mm -hmm. um, but I actually, I'm an advocate for, if you can do it safely and you are able to regulate, mm -hmm. I mean, stay in control of your emotional state, I'm all for it. Yep. If you as a coach, um, so my background, as we know, is in psychology. So I'm all about harm reduction. I'm not talking about injury. I'm talking about uh, if the kid's going to go home and tumble anyways, you might as well help them out, coaches. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying to go to their house, but I'm saying, hey, what, what did you work on at home this week? Oh, I was working on my back handspring. How were you doing it? Oh, I was doing back handsprings on my trampoline. How many of those back handsprings mm -hmm. do you think you threw? Oh, I threw every single one of them. Oh, it sounds like you. Were, it was really easy. Was it a mm -hmm. lot of fun? Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Good. I'm glad you're having fun with tumbling. What yeah. I'm really checking for is like, oh, I tried to tumble and then I just went out there and my mom was like, come on, just throw one. And then I like tried and I couldn't. So that doesn't sound like a lot of fun. Yeah. That sounds like it was kind of overwhelming, huh? Yeah, it was overwhelming. All right. What, and then I teach them how in those situations, because the reality is I can't control mom and dad. Mm -hmm. I can't even control the athlete, but I can give the athlete tools on how to deal with that situation. All right. So you're out there, you're feeling a lot of pressure. You're way past the three. What is something you could say? Well, I actually did. I told my mom to stop pressuring me. My fear level was over three and I was feeling really scared and I was going to hurt myself. And then she like yelled at me and she was like, come on, just do it once. I saw you do it in the gym. Mm -hmm. Do it now. If you want me to pray for those privates, you got to do it. <laughs> hey, sidebar parents. I know you say this stuff, not all, but I trust me. <laughs> I've been witness to this stuff. All right. Parents, in that moment, you use fixed mindset, but I get it. You pay thousands of dollars. You're not sure why you were able to throw it one minute, but now you're not. Let's remember how fear works. When our amygdala feels threatened, a chemical will get released. The more we feel threatened, the more chemical gets released. So the more pressure I'm putting on you, most athletes, the less they're going to throw. <laughs> yep. There's these weird exception of people who are like, yell at me. But trust me, if your kid wanted you to yell at them, they would tell you, yell at me. <laughs> <laughs> right. Both are wrong. Both are wrong. But all you're doing is creating a negative habit. And that athlete, that child, if you truly are frustrated because you've been spending thousands of dollars on a back handspring, you just undid all the positive work they did that day to get that back handspring on the tumble track. Mm -hmm. You literally flushed your money down the toilet because you just rerouted the brain in a negative way by doing that. So instead, call me. <laughs> Jeff, let me talk to you about how mad and frustrated I am or talk to your best friend without your kid hearing. Don't let your kid be witness to your issue. Yeah your issue not theirs 
I'm really happy to see that I didn't lose a little eye in the corner. I'm like, oh, forget this guy. <laughs> that makes me really happy that I didn't make somebody really mad. It's a fear I have. I, I don't even know. What else, what else should I? I don't even know what else to ask right now. There is parents, and I will say this. I had a few people say, are you going to leave it up to, to rewatch? This for everyone. Well, everyone on, but everyone on the rewatch too. There is so much to unpack in this book. Like so much to unpack in this book. And it's, you know, again, I read it five years ago and this stuff is still like, you know, in there. I, 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 thought, it was, I thought it was such a good book. And I think I put this on the review. Every time I read, you know, this is, it's literally the only book that I've read you know, for cheerleaders, by cheerleaders, right? Um, you know, every other book I read, it's about basketball or business, and then I apply it to cheerleading and go. But this, I thought this was such a great book that parents, I implore you, whether or not your child, has, definitely if your child does have a mental block, but especially if your child does have a mental block, get the book because it was such just a, a great parenting book. You know, it was a great coach book just to go, okay, here's what we're doing wrong. Here's what we're doing. Um, is there anything else that you feel like we should talk about right now that we kind of, we might have skipped over right now? No, I, I think we did. <laughs> we were a little, I allowed it to get a little, ah, we definitely, yeah, there's a lot there. There is there a lot. There's a lot there in terms of what we covered. I love and appreciate so much your openness as a coach. I hope people are recognizing in action, you following through with probably how you hold your athletes. Like, I want to see you do better. I see you, your cortex, like, oh, I said should. <laughs> and you're trying to apply it. I love that. That is, man, your parents are very lucky to have you as a role model for their kids who are showing in action the things that you're trying to get them to do. That's pretty phenomenal. Oh, you put that... And you just, you know, you did it to me. And I was like, oh, it's in the book about the kids. And it's the growth versus um, fix. But when okay. we encourage, hey, you got an A on the test. Then when they don't get an A, mm -hmm. they, they fail. But when you say, hey, you worked hard, they continue to try to work hard regardless of their test yeah. score. Like, oh, That's I right. you know, my parents praised me for working hard. And even though I got a C, I'm going to keep working hard and keep studying. And so that's one thing I've really tried to apply to the kids is like, we're going to work, yeah. we're going to work hard. Oh, yeah. And you know, hopefully that hard work pays right. off. Uh, oh, yeah. But it's not about the wins. And I, all of our parents know this, especially if they've been with us for a while. I sent out this email that says, don't focus on the winning. You know, winning is going to come and go. And, it's a byproduct. Yeah. And, yeah, and sometimes we're going to be an awful team and still win the division, you know, just because of whatever circumstances. And sometimes we're going to be great and – and lose, but we need to focus on the process and not, you know, on that prize right there. But um, yeah, Jeff, I, I appreciate you. Uh, thank you. I loved every moment of this. And uh, just sidebar, parents, if you are like, dude, I need more help. Clearly, I need support. Reach out. Let me know. Uh, you can find me on Facebook, Jeff Benson. Uh, feel free to reach out to me, Mind Body Cheer is the name of my company, at gmail.com. Um, and don't feel like, oh, I have to pay you. Like, just literally just ask. I, my value, not my value, my, well, yeah, one of my big values in life is to be helpful. I just want to help. And if I can assist you or your children, let me know. 
and I'll do whatever I can to assist and support you to be better. You're the man. When does the second oh. edition come out? That's a great question. So I just sent the last edit to uh, my editor and I am getting some friends to uh, um, try and take pictures to change the cover, a little update mm -hmm. it. So my hope is end of October, middle of November. Oh, that's like now. Yeah. Um, but what I'm really excited about are the workbooks. And the yeah. trilogy, I want, not should, I want them to come out by the end of the year. Okay. We're going to make those it happen. Gonna be, we got to talk again for when those come out because I love getting to talk to the athletes specifically of like little brain, big brain, mm -hmm. let's break it down. Because I thought I wrote Unblocked to athletes, parents, and coaches. And I realized like it's – high level higher level than i intended so oh gotcha the workbooks mm -hmm. are specifically for the athletes gotcha yeah and for them to work through their fears and i, I could see like you know when some of our younger athletes get the mental blocks i'm like i'm not sure how much he's gonna get from the book i mean it's pretty i won't say high level but it is it's like you know it's yeah you know i i get that yeah um oh and you know i want you know what i'm trying to do this for our parents but we gotta do this for our coaches because this is, I mean, the stuff in there is gold. It, it really is. Um, Colleen, you do own the book. And Allie has been working so hard. I'm so proud of her. She really has. Yeah? Yeah, she has. Has she, has Allie, um, has she been able to deal with setbacks better? I, well, Colleen, has she been able to? I believe she's been able to deal with setbacks better. But I'm not, you know, I see her every other day, I guess, in the gym. Yeah, that's that's one of the big things that I've been reading and researching more are like, all right, here are the markers. Cause I hear over and over and over again, like I want to see my kid get better. Yeah. That's the third marker we're looking for. Can your child deal with setbacks better? Can your child emotionally regulate better? Then is your child physically improving? Because the other two are going to byproduct are going to relate to that mm -hmm. last one. But if you only focus on the last one, I guarantee your child will go yeah. through a mental block again. Yeah. If you're only focused on getting skills or like getting the skill back. Yep. The reason they lost it is not because they can't do it. They lost it because they can't deal with setback. Yeah. She's been working really hard. All right. I love that. I saw Colleen's little message. Yeah. Colleen's the best. Good. Okay. I love it. All right, Jeff. All right. Thank you have so much night. for your time. Thank you, you have an even better night. Yeah, my pleasure. <laughs> All right. <laughs> we'll see you, man. Bye. Again, huge shout out to Jeff for joining us on the show today. Hope you guys enjoyed it as much as I did. And if you did, hit that like button, share it with a friend. But until next time, five, six, seven, eight, we're out.